stores are currently busy. All right. We are live. I believe we are live. We're, 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 live. live, on, we're live on my end. We are live on Monero Talk with uh, Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. I'm sorry. I just always wanted to say this. I love your line. The Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. He's live. Uh, the question is, is he also a Monero Meister? So that's what we hope to find out today on the show. It's wait, we're not live over here. Yeah, we're on my end. We're live. It says live on my end. So, uh, oh, so that's interesting. Is, I think it's only allowing one of us to go live. No, no, no. <laughs> and, try, try it again. Try no, it again. yeah, because on my end it says live as well. It's on his channel, though. So it's live on your channel. Yeah, no, I think because uh, it only it's only giving me the option to stop the live stream. Because um, I, I guess you hit the button before I did. Oh, man. I thought we were going to do the un unprecedented double live here. So I, I'm t I've taken over the Adam Meister channel. This is this no, is now the Monero Meister channel. No! Hang on, like, my gosh. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Are you sure it's not? It's Click, try, try it again. Click, put your... Uh... It won't let me. It there. doesn't give me the option because you already put your key in. So it's uh, we were trying to do two keys at once. Apparently, you can't do that because my only option is to stop live stream. Oh my god, we got people in the top. People are asking, quite, "Hello, hello, my elite friends." We're trying something. <laughs> These guys are also at Monero Talk. First of all, I, I want to say this is the ultimate example of being in motion. They taught me how to use this jitsy thing that is going to allow me to do these live interviews again. But they're supposed to be interviewing me live on their channel. We were going to do it on both channels at the same time. So uh, you're, you're seeing a little bit behind the scenes here. So how should we, uh, how should we proceed with this? You, you want it on your channel, obviously. You want to do a live stream. Uh, whatever. I mean, I guess we could just post it after. Well, you know? We could do uh, maybe we could do half and half or something. We could, you could ask me. We could do two different shows, maybe. What's yeah. everyone think? We got people interested already. We got people watching, which is good. Let's uh, let's leave it as this. Leave the flow. You know, no, no. The the point is to just have a show, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. But but, yeah. but the things. Well, how about after you know, in, in the middle of it, we stop it and then we go to your channel. We'll tell every. That's great. It's a great way to get people to your channel. So guys, we're going to do the first half of the show on here and then. Link to below is his Twitter, and uh, it's Monero Talk. And then just go over there and uh, go to the the second show. We'll we'll tweet out the uh, the second show over there. Beautiful. So it'll, be, it'll be a double a double so, header. So do it. Do and you and obviously you can upload this on your channel afterwards. This this part, this number one. Beautiful. We're at right here. Yeah, well, why, why can't everybody in the uh, in the crypto sphere be so amenable and work so well together? I mean, you, as, you as know, well as we are right. That is a that is a great point. We're we're this is an example of uh, you know compete. Don't don't complain. And we're actually not competing. We're cooperating. We're not we're not against each other. He likes Monero. I like Bitcoin. He wanted to get my opinion on it. And now we're figuring out how to get this all of us to be happy. Two shows instead of one. So this is great. We're being very productive. Very productive here. Pound the like button, people. All right, take it over. Yeah, man. So so thanks for. Uh coming on or allowing me to come on your show. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, you know, I've been watching you for quite some time. I've, uh, I, I, I started off as a Monero maximalist um, and still am to some degree. I, I consider myself kind of a digital cash maximalist. So trying to figure out which one is digital cash. Uh, initially, that started with Bitcoin. My belief is totally in, 
and only in Bitcoin. And then I slowly, uh, slowly arrived at Monero. So uh, lo- I would love to question you on that. Um, but first, I, I want to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, just a little bit about your your history in crypto. I did a quick, I never, I never uh, sorted your videos by oldest to newest. So I did that today before we jumped on. I was just curious. And uh, I know you had spoken about Baltimore, things you had done in Baltimore at one time or another, I heard in some videos, but I, I didn't realize how much. So I, I went back and I looked. And uh, yeah, if you just want to talk a little bit about your history of how you got into, because you were a YouTuber before you were a Bitcoin YouTuber. So yes, if you want to the- quickly uh, talk about that, I'll, I'll continue to ask you questions as you go. What, 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 what was it, your initial, uh, the initial fight that you were fighting on Bitcoin? What was that all about? Uh, I mean, very, on, on YouTube. A very, very good question. Well, one thing, if you want to see the archives and it's and you can easily go to disruptmeister.com and that'll show you all the Bitcoin videos. You won't have to worry about that Baltimore stuff. But uh, in, I guess now it's been quite some time, uh, like 10 years ago, I really got into Baltimore uh, politics and Balt- I, I lived in a neighborhood. I, I created a project called the Buy a Block Project. A bunch of us all moved to this one block in this neighborhood called Reservoir Hill that had these beautiful big old houses in it. And we fixed up these old houses and made all this news. And I, it, it was such an adventure. And it, it got me into Baltimore politics, which is, again, I'm not a political person now. But when I was a little younger, uh, yeah, I thought I could change the world. And um, so I did. I knew all these political people. And YouTube came around. And I thought, well, this is a good way to, to spread the word about uh, some of this dirt I'm uncovering in Baltimore because it's so corrupt, the political situation. But at the, at the same time, I would show people the houses of Baltimore. And now, did, you, didn't... did you have, did you have like a, what was your day job at the time? Did, were you, oh, were I, you doing I, ran a, I did marketing research for, uh, I did marketing research for internet-based companies, basically. I ran my own business. Oh, um, wow. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I've been was self-employed for, for quite some time. Uh, and uh, so I, and, and I did, I kept my expenses down quite a bit. But yeah, I, I did my, I had my own business, saved my own money. And I own that house, the house I got super duper cheap. Um, and so that, that was, that was very productive too. And I would, I, I would do, I, I would do, I had my own karaoke. I would do any. I, I could make money doing so many different things. I was I was just an entrepreneur. I was doing all sorts of stuff. But the the one of the big things that, that I, I I did run an internet based business that was a marketing research for software companies. That's what I I called it. And uh, that, we won't get into all that stuff as that's that's old. That I got rid of all that eventually. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. The, but the Baltimore politics. Yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to change the world through YouTube videos about Baltimore and and and, and the same time on the ground. Uh, but uh, the Baltimore people aren't too interested in Baltimore politics. I mean, they're interested in electing the same old people over and over again. Um, it wasn't it wasn't generating that much information. I mean, people would be like, "I love your channel. Or, I love what you stand for." Yeah, they didn't really watch it. Uh, <laughs> now, were, were you trying to kind of build up those blocks and get people to come in and move into those areas? Because it looked yeah. like where, where your house was. I only watched a few minutes of your earlier videos. I, I was I was inspired, so it's it looked like you were doing a good job. But I guess the idea was you were trying to get people to kind of come in and move into those uh, impoverished areas. Was that yeah, we we got that's what I got done. I mean, we, we did that. We did, we changed that whole block. The twenty. Oh, you accomplished block. it. You actually oh, yeah, accomplished it. Accomplished. it was a great accomplishment. Yeah, it was great. We, it was we filled up like uh, combined with my buddy Remington and everything. We filled up a 
what was it, like 13 houses or something like that that didn't have uh, homeowner occupants beforehand? Some of them were totally falling down completely. I mean, it made the news all over the place. That was, it, it was big news in Baltimore in, in the sun. But again, this is at the start of my, that project, that BioBlock project, the internet wasn't even a big source of uh, news. It wasn't, um, you know, now politically, I mean, you've got to be on Twitter, you've got to be on everything. Back then, it, it, they didn't, there wasn't even Twitter at the start of the BioBlock project. But at, at the, at, when I was living in Reservoir Hill, there was, but it wasn't as big then. YouTube wasn't as big then. But the main point is I, I was writing blog articles too, and so I transitioned into YouTube and people can see it. And I was trying to be creative. I would, sh I would walk into really bad neighborhoods. Um, because my neighborhood was all right. And, um, <laughs> and show them what it really looked like. In the I walked through the housing projects. I mean, you can, this stuff is still there. I ran from one side of North Avenue to the other, which is North Avenue is like a legendary ghetto street in Baltimore. And uh, yeah, I, I did, but, uh, but I found that, long story short, by 20, 2011, I had found out about Bitcoin. Sorry about the news. They're doing construction here in Australia. Pound that like one. And um, yeah, I, I found out about uh, Bitcoin by 2011 uh, through alternative economic sites. Uh, I, I guess I should mention like in, in 2008 when we had the uh, economic crisis and I really started reading more about economics. That, that's when I, I became interested in alternative economics, but I was still doing the Baltimore stuff. But I would read a lot because I worked for myself. I had a lot of time to, to read uh, alternative economic blogs like Market Ticker and Mish. And I discovered Doug Casey and then eventually shadier people. Um, <laughs> who and, and it was oddly enough, it was from a shadier dude that, um, you know, a complete, I call them doomers. Uh, that just think the whole they just they make their money off of some newsletters that the world is going to end and you got to buy gold and look the world doesn't end and you don't have to buy gold I mean that's what you learn ten years later but they they've been talking about the same thing for since the seventies and the eighties anyway that's how I learned about Bitcoin and 2011, 2012, I kept hearing about it here and there here and there and everywhere but I didn't act upon it and finally in 2013 um, I got my first two uh, Bitcoin. At the end of 2013, in November of 2013, uh, probably on this very day, what's the day? I think I got on the 16th of November. It was right around when Coinbase uh, opened, and I had just gotten back from uh, visiting uh, someone in Detroit who I was quite close with. And uh, um, yeah, and then the rest of the Once I bought the first two, um, I, I did my first uh, video on the channel about, uh, about Bitcoin. Okay. I was still doing Baltimore ones, but then 2014, I did some more Bitcoin in 2015, more Bitcoin, and got rid of the – actually, 2016, I stopped doing the Baltimore stuff because, right. I mean, I was, I was covering the election, and yeah, nobody cared about that. Again, yeah. they elect the same people over and over and over again. But for me, the Bitcoin thing took off immediately. People became much more interested in Bitcoin than Baltimore because Baltimore is just – the only people going to care about Baltimore Baltimore people, and they don't care. But Bitcoin is the subject the whole darn world can get behind. And I, you know, slowly but surely, the whole world, world, darn world did get behind it. And I was talking about the halving of 2020 before the halving of 2016. So yeah. uh, it's it's been a, it's been a fun adventure. Yeah. So we we had we had a very similar trajectory then, because that's what I was realizing as I was looking at your videos. Because I I got in around the same time, uh, like December 2013, uh, Christmas morning uh, is when I bought my first Dogecoin of December 2013. Uh, which led me down the rabbit hole because uh, I I know I, I bought it on Christmas Eve and then I woke up Christmas morning and all my Dogecoin were gone. I had bought fifty dollars worth, um, 
through somebody on Reddit using PayPal. It was my first experience on Reddit. Uh, I had come across Doge. I thought I had already missed the Bitcoin thing without understanding at all what Bitcoin was, uh, not realizing it was distributed. And uh, bought some Doge thinking I'd catch a little pump, make some money. And I bought $50 worth just for fun. And I, lo- I woke up the next morning. I checked my Doge wallet online and it was all gone. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's no way this technology works like this. I was like, why are people uh, you know, so excited about this if if it's if you could so easily lose your money? I was like, there must be more to it. I'm like, there must be something I'm, I'm missing here. And that's what led me down the rabbit hole. And I started understanding the encryption and the private key and the public key. And oh, wow, if you hold your own private key, there, there's really no way to ever lose your crypto. And that's when I then soon after, maybe a week or two later, I bought my first Bitcoin. And, and like yourself, I, I I went down the rabbit hole. But I guess um, what what happened with me and, um, you know, e- even in the early days, I'm sure you recall, too, kind of on Reddit, on the Bitcoin forums, hearing about the concept of uh, blacklisting Bitcoins. And in the early days of or you know, around that that time, 2014, it was kind of ignored. There were some people on Reddit talking about it, but it was like, yeah, don't worry about it. But it uh, it kind of struck me then, you know, and not, you know, like, oh wow, this is this is interesting. Uh, you know, it's great. You hold your own keys. Um, people can't take your Bitcoin. They conceivably can't stop you from sending it to somebody. But it's a little weird that every transaction you make is forever stored in this database for the for the world to view. And uh, it really hit home for me when I when I experimented with sending bitcoins, you know, I sent I sent a few to my friends, um, s- bought some stuff online and as I was going through that process I realized wow, as I make this transaction, this this is it, this thing's saved forever. And uh, the people I'm sending money to could effectively look back and look at my wallets. Like I sent a friend, you know, uh, maybe $10 of Bitcoin. And I realized if this guy knew what he was doing, he could go look at my wallet and see how much Bitcoin I have, which is, you know, granted he's my friend, but I don't see how this works then beyond that, you know, outside of that sphere, right? How is this going to work on a, on a global level where everybody's transacting and everything is being, uh, you know, traced and, and, and watched. And that was kind of the wake up call for me. And, uh, you know, I didn't get into Monero right then. Yeah, you know, I was still a Monero, a Bitcoin maximalist. But did you did you have those kind of seeing that we kind of started off on the same thing? Did you experience those uh, similar awakenings with with what potentially might be the flaws of Bitcoin? Well, I, I will tell you one of the things that really jumped out with, at me with that story is when I got into it at the same time you you know when I bought my first two and you're buying your first Doge. There were plenty of people saying, oh, look, the Bitcoin is it's already done. It's it, it, we got to get into the next Bitcoin. We got to get into Litecoin. Now, I hadn't heard about. Well, I don't know if there was it wasn't was it called Monero then? was there. I don't even I, I remember when I heard about Monero for the first time. That was like in, in, in 2016. But I will tell you from the very beginning, there were people that were talking about we need something better than Bitcoin. It isn't as private as it should be or the pump is already over. And and uh, so they, they, I. I from, from one perspective, yeah, I, I definitely, I had heard about alternatives. Now, was I worried about the blacklisting stuff? I read about the blacklisting stuff, but I, I didn't, it didn't really scare me that much. And um, I think one of the reasons I might not worried about it as much as I 
you know, I didn't know as much about privacy then. I really thought Bitcoin was, I probably thought Bitcoin was a bit more private than it was. Right. Um, I eventually found out about dark, like what I remember from the privacy space is um, one of their shady characters talking about dark coin, which became Dash. And so um, that, that was my first intro and that, that I knew that it could be more private. But I, I didn't experiment with it at, at all. But I mean, as time went on, I did. This is an interesting progression. I, I started realizing that these altcoins, most of them were just like, well, what's the big difference between Litecoin and Bitcoin? I mean, silver to gold. I mean, what does it really do? The, the first little niche that I appreciated was the privacy niche. And I saw I was talking about Dash and Monero people started contacting me. They're like, oh, there's another one. It's called Monero. And, uh, you, you should, and people started sending me Monero. This, this was in 2016. So that's that's how I found out about Monero. And I really started seeing, well, there's a battle in this privacy front. It's not just Dash. It's these, and the Monero people would really battle the Dash people online. There'd be all sorts of stuff. So but it, to this very day, I know that the pri privacy is something that Bitcoin could do better and could one day incorporate. So... I, you know, some of these altcoins are, are are totally worthless. But I've always said that the privacy ones have a lot of potential and, and do have some value, especially until Bitcoin becomes more private in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So, what what do you see as? Because for me, that was uh, a a real you know awakening uh, when I when I realized, like you said, I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of people started using Bitcoin with the thinking that it is private um, and that it is true digital cash, you know, just like uh, I give you a hundred dollars in the real world. Uh, nobody knows I transacted that hundred dollars to you for all intents and purposes uh, with Bitcoin. That that's not the case. So what, what do you see as the value proposition of a Bitcoin? What, what is it um, that, what is the invention of Bitcoin, the invention of cryptocurrency? Well, it just gets for Bitcoin. It gets your value out of a bad situation, and it makes sure that you're always able to bring value to yourself. It's it's unconfiscatable and uh, it's un uncensorable. The people, you know, we've got we've got a problem right now when people are relying on these centralized uh, payment processors like PayPal to to bring in their uh, income on YouTube, and then they get cut off. There's no nothing they can do. You, if PayPal cuts you out, off, you're totally relying on that's it. But if you have a simple Bitcoin address or any crypto address, no one no one can stop that. No, especially Bitcoin. Um, it's a way to to store value um, and and to get it across borders since it cannot be physically taken away from you. Uh, it's it's in your mind. You can store the private key in your mind. So that those are the two big things that stay. I mean, and I, and it, again, preserving people's wealth in this time of inflationary and hyperinflationary currencies. Uh, can you and you can also, uh, <laughs> if you want to, for some reason, you can do daily uh, purchases with it. But it isn't. I mean, you're not private with it. It doesn't. It doesn't. If you want to hide all your financial transactions. It, it, it's not the thing for you. I mean, there are ways to become more private with it, but if you make one little mistake, that's it. It's all out there. It's it's a way to also uh, keep your options. Everything is public. You can account for other people's businesses. If people are trying to raise uh, funds through Bitcoin, well, you can see if they're really doing it. You can see if they are really bringing in as much as they are or if they're as desperate as they say they are. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I, I agree. So I asked you the value proposition thing because that, that's what led me to Monero as well, right? So I, I agree. I believe the value proposition is the fact that it's, you know, censorship resistant and unconfiscatable. And that's really what the core of the invention is, right? Is you control your own money. You can send it at will to anybody else around the world, peer to peer without going through a third party. Uh, and you know that 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 will get it will go go from you directly to the other person. But don't you don't you think there's you know so privacy aside, uh, privacy is obviously uh, a, a a nice feature to have. I, I obviously fundamentally think it's important. But even on the even if we're just talking about uh, the unconfiscatable features and the censorship resistant features. Don't those start to deteriorate once privacy doesn't exist? So ex post facto, you know, I, I may send you, you know, I could press a button. I can send you that Bitcoin from me to you. Uh, it's pretty hard for anybody to stop me from sending it. But now that they could go and look at the blockchain, see that, you know, essentially, uh, you know, where we're at today, seeing that, you know, most people purchase their their Bitcoin through exchanges. So we all know who these people are. See that I sent my Bitcoin from me to you. And let's say it was for something for what is said to be something illegal. Uh, ex post facto, they can find me, they can hunt me down uh, or they could find you and hunt you down and, and take those, take those Bitcoins. So doesn't it lose that censorship resistance when it, when it's not private, when it, when it lacks those features? In a civilized uh, country like the, the United States, they would see that we did an illegal transaction and then they would come to me and they would uh, issue a warrant for my arrest or something like that. I mean, there would be, uh, they, they couldn't physically take the Bitcoin. They could threaten to put me in a cage. And at that point, I would, I would leave. <laughs> you can take your value with you. So they couldn't take the physical Bitcoin. They could figure out. Well, they can. I mean, they, they find you. They could, you know, say, Adam, you know, give us give us your private keys. You know, we, we saw that this transaction was was sent to you. We viewed it on the blockchain. That's uh, uh, I mean, in the United States, they can't <laughs> they, they can't just do that. I mean, there's got there, there's a there's a rule of law here. There's there's, there's a, it wouldn't they wouldn't come breaking down your doors and looking for your tresor at, at, at this at this juncture. And maybe you could you could give them your treasure, and it wouldn't mean anything. They couldn't get it. Um, they would be unable to actually get the Bitcoin. You could give them a, a, a treasure. I mean, people have multiple storage devices. If it really came to that, where the government becomes that tyrannical, all right, where you see the government becoming that tyrannical, where they can just break into your house without a warrant, without anything, and demand money. Um, I mean, you could have an, another. Uh, I mean, another wasn't, wasn't this done with gold at some point? Wasn't that a, a, something that happened? I think you had even spoken about once or yeah, twice. Yeah, they, they confiscated. They confiscated gold. I mean, they literally could go into people's house and take and, and and know the gold. But people knew it was going on. They were warned. They said, "We're we're doing gold confiscation." Um, if, if all of a sudden they made Bitcoin illegal, or if they said, uh, "We have a special law. If you have sold drugs over the internet." Uh, with Bitcoin, we can immediately just break down your door at any time of night. Uh, people who would have done that should know to get out of the country now. To get out, if it's become that tyrannical, you get out now, and that's the beauty of Bitcoin. You could just leave the country, start anew in Australia, uh, or start anew in South Africa, or wherever. I, I don't right, think but I, I, I guess I guess what my my point I I you know. 
But why? Not, why, why rely on the, the whole point of the cypherpunk movement and the crypto anarchist movement is to not have to rely on on the law, right? It's to build code, to build technology that's agnostic to the law and just allows liberty to prevail through the technology itself. So rather than hoping that uh, tyranny doesn't exist, you know, or, you know, uh, America's great, you know, uh, we, we have our constitution, it's worked out pretty well, um, but other countries aren't as great. Uh, you know, we, we, you look at countries like China or, or, or many countries throughout the world, uh, I think isn't the whole the whole idea back to the value proposition of 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 Bitcoin and crypto is that through this technology you you per, you own your own wealth and you're in total control of it. So why not use the most ideal form of that, which is something that takes into account um, maintaining people's privacy, which adds this extra layer of protection makes it even more unconfiscatable and more censorship resistant. This is, this is the thing here. It, the, Bitcoin needs more privacy. It needs, there's, there's no doubt about it that it needs to be more private. But you, your scenario that you're talking about is a, a government wrench attack. It, any wrench attack, any person with any cryptocurrency is susceptible. If the, if the government or some uh, mafioso figures out you've been selling drugs for Monero, um, they, they could come to your house and with a wrench and torture you and say, give me that Monero too. Uh, and they, they, they could, the privacy mistake, was, the privacy, they might not found out that you did it through Monero, but they somehow figured out you were the guy online selling drugs. And they're just guessing that you must have done it through Monero. There's, there's always going to be wrench attack options out there. It, it yeah, is, but is what with, I'm with Monero, it's it's less because you can just say, you know, I lost my private keys, right? Now, if if I lose my private keys, no, you can't. Too. You can't say that with Bitcoin because then yeah, when yeah. they see, then when they see your Bitcoin move three years from now, well, you obviously didn't lose your private keys. Oh, but that's not a wrench attack anymore. You're out of the country by then. I mean. Uh, there's ways around your scenario. There's, there's, there's ways around. And then the wrench attack. Is that any, would be quite difficult. That would be quite. If somebody came to you and you claim to have lost your Bitcoin private keys, uh, yeah. you know, we're talking about you know, government, whatever. Uh, and now, you know, if a year later, you decide to actually move that Bitcoin, uh, you know, with the advancement in technology we're seeing with chain analysis, I mean, it would be, it would be like a, 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 an alert on somebody's uh, computer somewhere that Adam Meister just moved his, moved his okay. Bitcoin. And as the world becomes more prone to, to surveillance overall, the, I'm pretty sure they'll know where Adam Meister is. Okay. Uh, well, 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 but there's, pretty there's hard. two things here. So the, the scenario is we can say uh, government, uh, government entity suspects you've been doing bad stuff with Bitcoin. They come to your house. You say you lost your private key. They leave. And then if you move the minute you move your private key, they know that the minute you move your Bitcoin, they know you were lying. And then they return and they capture you. Okay. With Monero, it's the same. They suspected you did something with Monero. You say you lost your private key. Okay. You, um, they leave you alone. And then you move your Monero in the future and they don't know because it was private. Okay. So you got away with it. But with the, with the Bitcoin, so, but with the Bitcoin, after they left you alone, you leave the country. Okay. So you got to take an extra step to protect your Bitcoin from that uh, wrench attack scenario. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. 
there's 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 no doubt you have to take an extra step, but you can still you'll still have your Bitcoin in the end of the day. You'll still have your Bitcoin in the end of the day under that wrench attack scenario. Right. So I guess, I guess that's you know, but it, it's, it's more. Know. I mean, you you the argument that Monero is more private than Bitcoin. Yes, it is. Period. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, and I, I don't expect you to disagree. And I've heard you say that on your show. And uh, like I said, but I'm I'm just wondering then in in your logic and and how you're making your decisions on which technology is superior and what the obviously you agree that the censorship resistant aspect of it is essential. That's what makes Bitcoin uh, what it is. If if it started to lose that ability, it, you probably wouldn't care about it as much. So I'm just trying to understand where you're drawing the line there. For me, it became bit important enough where I said, you know what? I feel like this flaw is big enough. The fact that it's not private on the protocol level, right? I know, I know they're trying to do things with Bitcoin to kind of put a Band-Aid on it. And, you know, maybe there's different ways you could, you could uh, create privacy. But I personally don't believe it will ever be private on the protocol level. I would love to get your opinion on that. No, and, it won't be, it also, it won't, I don't think it will be either. On yeah, the, so it's a secondary solution. And, and then I personally believe that that's a fatal flaw to what it needs to be. The that's, fact that and, that's your, and that's your opinion. It's so far that hasn't been holding Bitcoin back So, yeah, what's the, what's the reasoning, have, what's the reasoning as to why it's there. not a fatal flaw then? Why, why is that not essential? Why is privacy... Because uh, your fungibil- that- fungibility on the protocol level. Why is that not essential? We agree that censorship resistance is essential. Because the governments, the governments of the world have it united in a hundred percent tyrannical uh, uh, union. That's why there'll always be a place where you, you won't have to worry about privacy, where it won't be. Uh, people are not worried about privacy right now. People just, it's not something people worry about on any level. I think people should be more worried about privacy in everything that they do, but it's, it's just not something that people are desperate for right now. People are desperate to protect their money from hyperinflation. People are desperate to control their own money and not have it in, in a bank anymore. Um, people haven't come to that desperation yet when it, it comes to privacy. And big, Bitcoin is something that big financial players are flocking into. And they have a say in this too. And they would, a lot of people would not flock into Bitcoin if it was private on the uh, private level, on, 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 the, on the protocol level. So, I mean, it just, I mean, this is, a, this is a free market out there. The market has spoken so far and the money has flowed and the interest has flowed into, into Bitcoin type, type of coins. And the, right, but the, the privacy but ones are niche ones. I, I don't see it evolving. I don't, I don't see really? it getting to a... I, I see it that there, all, there will always be people. There are so many blind people out there that do not care about privacy at all. It, it will never. It will never come to a point where that is people's number one concern. Uh, even even like the, you know the, the 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 wealthiest of the world that use Swiss banks and offshore accounts. Obviously, these people. Uh, you know the the twenty percenters of the world, as as you would well, say. They, they, uh, so yes, I, I understand the people that use Facebook every day. Yeah, they they don't care about privacy, but they they're that's why they're eighty percenters. But the twenty percenters that understand the value of it, and not so much about privacy in that oh I just don't want people to know who I am, but privacy in that I want my money to be worth more than it is, and it's worth more than you know a million dollars that the world knows about isn't worth as much as a million dollars that I 
only I know about and I control. There's there's a lot of liberty and power there in in having that. And I imagine that the twenty percenters of the world would, would see that as as an advantage. So not so much as you know, don't not caring about privacy for you know the philosophical reasons of why it may be important, but just literally dollars and cents, isn't it? Wouldn't you rather have a million dollars that that you can control without anybody knowing about that you could freely send anywhere in the world? I mean, isn't that, isn't there value there? But there is, it's a value proposition. It's a good, it, there's a, there's a good value proposition between behind these privacy coins. There, there really is. But is it, I mean, so some of these rich people, they pay their taxes. They're not trying to hide anything. I, I just, I mean, you, some will be interested in it. Let's, let's see what the market, what happens if people do pile into the, but there, there's a certain, there's a certain compliant millionaire and multimillionaire type of personality also, where they want to follow every single rule, but they want to make, they want to be rich also. So they're going to stay away from the, the privacy aspects of, of these coins. It will scare certain people away. Uh, and the, the other thing I, I think I want to add, if the value proposition is so awesome, as you say it is, and that everyone will want to be into a narrow type of coin, then it will be incorporated into Bitcoin, perhaps in, in the base layer. But I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. So th- that is the glory of Bitcoin that you can't – people are talking with this Mimblewimble technology that it can be incorporated into the base layer of Bitcoin eventually. And they're experimenting it with it on the Litecoin side. Now, again, I don't believe that there is going to be a worldwide demand for that for that to happen. I, I, I don't think there will be. But if there is, if, if your scenario comes true, if the whole world wakes up to like, all right, we this is the better coin, this we must have this type of privacy, the Bitcoin will incorporate it. And then the the privacy coins will be pointless at that point. But I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think it's going to happen. That's, uh, um, that's my take on it. So why is it that you feel like, uh, Bitcoin will always involve, evolve and incorporate whatever, where's that, uh, that logic coming from? Well, this, I mean, it has the most people working on it by far has the most developers working on it. It has the greatest right now. I travel around the whole world. They talk about big, they don't ask me about, uh, you know, Mimblewimble or Monero or Dash or whatever. They're asking about Bitcoin. It's, you know, you go to, I, I went to, where was it? It was in, uh, I was in Hong Kong now over a year ago. And some guy asked me, how do I get the Litecoin version of Bitcoin? I mean, it's synonymous with cryptocurrency. It is the dominant one. And I don't, I don't see it losing its dominance at all. I mean, I, I interview people all over the world that are involved with deep finance, that are involved with DeFi and always, the base is always Bitcoin. It's just not going to flip all of a sudden. It's not, we've had these threats of the flipping for so long. It, it keeps up. It, oh, let it com- I say let them compete. Let them keep on coming up with all these uh, these altcoins. It just no one has been able to even come close to climbing that mountain yet. And I don't see it happening. I, I really don't see it happening. It's just it's it's already it's staked out its position and it's beaten so many different threats. All the other coins would have to beat out all those threats, figure out scaling, figure out all this stuff, and then somehow spread. I mean, it, 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 it's highly, highly unlike something would have to break seriously with Bitcoin. I don't foresee that either because it, it's got the most people working on it, mon- monitoring it right now. Um, but so, by, by so the way, someone, go ahead. Someone in the, with someone in the talk just sent four ninety nine super chat. Grim talk, his name is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's talking about that. Somebody donated fifty Bitcoin uh, 
to uh, to grin, uh, someone an original Bitcoiner, someone who got Bitcoin a long time. I actually ago. heard. That. I actually saw Grin talk the other day. Yeah, he's he's got a good good up and coming show. Grin focus. Yes, yes. Uh, I really, I actually linked to it the other day. The Grin talk guy. So okay, uh, yeah, I think that's where I discovered it. Yeah, on your yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. He he did the super chat though. But yeah. we're gonna switch. We're gonna switch to your channel soon too. You we could we could keep it. Too. We could keep it here for for simplicity purposes. No no I mean, worries. You know what? I mean, you, you know what? To be, okay. I mean, uh, that's fine. It's fine with me. It's fine with me. You you want to do it? You want? Should we do the flip now? Then you want to do it? Yeah, I mean, it, for you guys, I mean, you guys are so nice. You taught me how to use this <laughs> um, this Jitsi thing. So this is Jitsi we're using, everybody. So all you content creators, use this Jitsi thing. You can interview people again. We just had it. So here, here's the thing we're going to do. We're, this is going to be the intermission. We're going to go to the Monero Talk channel now. Um, can, can you link? Can you send me, before we get off air, in, in this little chat on the side, can you send me a link to your channel so I will just uh, – I'll put it in the, the regular chat so they can all go to your channel and watch the show over there. So yeah, here you go. Hold on a Okay, you see it there? All right, dudes. This is this is good stuff. <laughs> this is very good. People are interested in let's see in the while you type all so I'm gonna send it on the on the Jitsi chat. You got it? Oh no. Oh, Adam, you there? I think he's having some issues. All right, we'll kill it here and we'll come back. <laughs> 